Savior coming to this earth as a baby. And he did it because he loves us so very much. And he wanted to give us the greatest gift of all. If you missed the previous lessons of this series, I really encourage you to go back and to tune in to those lessons, especially last week. If you're going to look in, there, there's been, this is week four of this series, it's I'm Ready for Change. But if you're going to go back and listen to one, there's one, two, and three, I would listen to last week because that was the best speaker. That was my wife. She spoke last Wednesday and she did a great job. Yes, she did. I watched online because my daughter was finishing out her quarantine, so I stayed home with her, but I was there rooting my wife on and praying, and, I, and it was just such, she did such a great job, and, uh, and she's not even here right now. She stepped out, so make sure you tell her that I said she did a great job, but, uh, but I'm ready for change week four, but tonight, this really coincides, too, with where we are with Christmas, and the title of this fourth lesson is The Word Became Flesh. The Word became flesh. If you're online watching, if you're here tonight, let's just gather together and pray that God, for the next few moments while I try to speak, I want God to speak through me. And I want us, you know, right now I know we're thinking tomorrow's Christmas Eve and we got plans, but just tune in for these few moments where we can receive what it is that God wants to give us. And it can so impact us in such a powerful way. Because like we said in week one, all the things that we're wishing would change, the only thing that you can change and control is yourself. It's you. And I can control me. And so we have been looking at ways that we can grow as a person and prepare ourselves for what God has for us. Lord, we love you, Jesus. God, help us tonight. Lord, every person watching online or listening, Lord, via Spotify or whatever, whatever avenue that people are going to use, Lord Jesus. Lord, the people who are here tonight, Lord God, I just pray that you're, you would just come alive through your word, Lord. Let your word minister to us and speak to us, God. Lord, that we could, Lord, embrace that and, and be and see what you want us to do and be and see. We pray, Lord, in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. So John 1.1 1, 1 is interesting. It starts off and it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then you jump down to verse 14, it says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What an interesting start to the gospel. When you read Matthew and Mark and Luke, you know, you read about birth stories, you read about miracles and angels coming and speaking to Elizabeth and to, and to Mary and then Jesus and John being born and, and it's just incredible, a virgin birth and, and you read about where it all starts and you're like, wow, this is awesome. But then John comes along and he, and he, and he starts his gospel just totally different, probably the last one to write. He had a little bit of a luxury of, of 2020 vision looking backwards a little bit, but he doesn't start with Mary and Elizabeth and an angel angel and a virgin birth, he starts with the word. Starts with the word. And he says, hey, before we start, let's just start right here. The word became flesh. The word became flesh. How many believers are going to have a Christmas dinner over the next few weeks? Or maybe you get together. Maybe some people, you read the, the Christmas story to your kids. I doubt that many families in America or in the world this week are reading a story and saying, let's sit down. It's going to say, and, and on that day, it shall come to pass. And, and, we, and they traveled by and on a donkey, and they went to Nazareth, and then they went to Bethlehem, and, and in a manger, in a stable. And No, I don't, I, I don't know of a lot of family dinners or, or children's bedtime stories that say, now we're going to read the Christmas story. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I just, I just can't imagine that there are a lot of families reading John 1 as the Christmas story. But you see, he starts with the Word because John says, basically, the Gospels are what? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. But what does Gospel mean? It's the good news about the death or the birth, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, part of the good news is it's, it's in the, the Word. 
And so he says, good news starts with the word Jesus. He clearly lays out what the new birth is. And so in John 3, 3, he says, Jesus answered and said to him, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, well, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born another time? That was very confusing. So Jesus extrapolates. He goes deeper. He says, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. New birth is being born of water and being born of spirit. But notice, spiritual experiences, they can be, they can almost be confusing. Did I just say that? Spiritual experiences can sometimes be confusing. You have an interaction with God, something supernatural transpires. You feel something, see something, experience something. And all of a sudden, that supernatural spiritual experience, you can be going, all right, well, what, what's going on? This is a confusing time. What did I just experience? What did I just feel? People will walk into Pentecostal churches and feel worship and God and his love and power. And sometimes people will say, well, what did I just feel? What just happened? What did that person just do? Why did they worship that way? Why were hands raised? Why did people cry? Why did someone dance or jump or come to an altar? What is that speaking in tongue spirit? What is that, that water? Why are people getting baptized that way? And so there are spiritual experiences can be confusing. Until, until we receive a word from the Lord. The word is what brings clarity. I don't want to be a part of just some religious cult that does something a certain way because the person in the pulpit or the leader says to do it. And there have been those through the years. I don't want to be a part of that. To me, I don't even want just the experience or the goosebumps or the feeling. I don't want to, what does it take to be a member of this church and I have the list of things I have to do and places I have to go and things I have to wear and things I have to listen to and, and, and classes I need to sit in. I, I, I want something more than that. I want a word from God. I want to see in the Bible where God says, here's my plan. Here's where it comes from. I, and so the word is what can bring clarity to spiritual experiences. Look what James, the brother of Jesus, writes in James 1.18. He chose to give birth to us. Remember, Jesus was just talking to Nicodemus in, in, in John about new birth. And James, the brother of Jesus, says he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we out of all creation became his prized possession. New birth comes by the word, and it's by the word that we become his prized possessions. And so you look at this, and after his resurrection, Jesus, eventually we know he's born, but then he dies on a cross, and he buried in a tomb and rises again. And as he's walking, I referenced this recently, a few weeks ago in, in the pulpit, that he's walking on the road to Emmaus with two men, strange, that, that two, two people that don't even realize they're talking to Jesus, and they're just bummed out and disappointed and discouraged and depressed and, and anxious. And Jesus shows up, and he's just, I can just imagine this conversation. Hey, guys, what's up? We're just, we're, we're discouraged. We're, why are you discouraged? Well, because what just happened? Well, what just happened? What are you, what, what are you men living under a rock? Are you kidding me? Like, the, Jesus, the, the one that we were hoping was going to be the Messiah. The one that we were hoping was going to be the Savior. They killed him. Check out this conversation. See, they assumed he wasn't, they, these guys were so discouraged because they were hoping this, but they assumed that this guy wasn't him and Jesus wasn't that person because he had been killed. But look at Luke uh, 24, 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers walking uh, to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly just shows up. And they start telling Jesus all the events that happened to well, Jesus, isn't that ironic 
When Jesus is a part of our lives, but yet we try to tell Jesus about the things Jesus is doing or not doing. In verse 25, Jesus says, you foolish people. He's, he says, You'll, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets, when they, what they wrote in the, in, the, in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into glory? Then Jesus took them. Where did he take them? He took them out to eat. He took them for a cup of coffee. He took them to the altar for a great spiritual experience. When there's confusing times about what's going on in life and, and in spiritual experiences, Jesus says, let me reference first the word, and now let's go back to the word. And so he took them through the writings of Moses because at that time, they didn't have the New Testament. It's not like, hey, flip to the Old Testament, flip to the New Testament. They're literally living the New Testament. But they had the Old Testament, right? The, the, the Torah, he, they had that. And so he says it was you know, divided into the law and the writings and the prophets. And, and so he says, well, go back through. And he says, let's look at the writings of Moses. And, and that's the Pentateuch, those first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He says, let's go back there and, and let's look at all the prophets and, and all the things that can explaining from all the scriptures concerning himself. Wow, Jesus really knew what the Old Testament said about himself. He was pretty much an expert in it. Well, I guess that would make sense because the word became flesh. And so that word that became flesh starts saying, let me take you back to the word that you should know anyway. And when times get confusing, you're frustrated and depressed and discouraged. Let me take you back to the word because it will bring clarity and so in verse 31, suddenly their eyes were opened. Why? Because they felt goosebumps, because they had a good cup of coffee. No, they, 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 why were their eyes opened? Because they recognized him. How did they recognize the presence of Jesus in their lives? It was only after getting into the word. At that moment, he disappeared. And they said to, to each other, didn't didn't our hearts burn within us when he, what, they didn't say when he showed up. Can we literally be in the presence of the Lord, but still not be aware and have clarity and revelation even in his presence? Can someone literally be in the presence of Jesus and still lack revelation, lack clarity? Absolutely, it happens all the time. That's why we can't just, and, and there's good churches all over, but that's why we can't just randomly, oh, I'm going to go to that church. I'm going to switch this church. You know, I don't, like, I don't like the music here. I don't like the preaching there. I don't like his suit there. So I'm going to run over here. I'm going to run over there. I'm gonna, no, 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 we can't, just, we can't just sit anywhere because we, we can sit in the presence of Jesus and lack revelation and clarity. That only comes through the word, through the word. And that's why to me, I, I, don't, I don't want an experience that just is based on a tradition of a some of, I don't care, of any assembly. It doesn't matter what they label themselves as. I want something that you can show me, scripture, line, and verse, the inspired word of God, that I can say, wow, because it's at that moment when clarity and revelation can come. How many of you have ever heard a message, a Bible study, something, you read something, where all, you, maybe you thought one thing, and, and all of a sudden you, you hear it preached, or you read it in the Word, and you feel a moment of revelation. You feel a moment of clarity, where you read and you go, I have never seen that before. I've never heard that. It flows up on the screen. You're like, wow, that's incredible. That's amazing. I would, I would be foolish to think, well, you get that all the time because I am such an excellent, very intelligent speaker and I'm, I'm so well-spoken. No, 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 no. That is me knowing when I stand here, I am dissecting the Word of God. And that's why it's incredible. I can get done with a message and someone can come up to me and go, hey, you know what you said about this? It really spoke to my situation. Here it is. And I'm going, how in the world did you get that out of what I said? But cool, I love it. It's wonderful. 
But that's the Word. The Word comes to life. It will shine light and revelation on your situation, what you're going through, what you're struggling with. And that's why these guys are walking along this road, depressed, discouraged, frustrated, fearful. And Jesus shows up, and it does not say they got in His presence. His life changed. The situation became better. I think sometimes we say, I want to, I, I, I got to pray. I went and prayed, nothing happened. I went to church, nothing happened. I wish God would show up. I wish he would bring clarity in my situation. Well, I think sometimes we're missing. My wife talked all about prayer, and prayer is crucial, and it's critical. But if all we do is pray and not get in the word, we're missing something. We can be in the presence of Jesus and still miss it, still lack things, still lose out because the word is when we're, oh, wow, now that I'm in his presence and I have the word, all of a sudden something revelatory, something comes to life to me because the word brought clarity. And so he explained the scriptures, and, and within the hour, and I just wonder, the word became flesh, and later he pours out his spirit, and I'm just wondering how, how that felt. I'm wondering, you know, did these guys ever just spend time with Jesus? Did they ever hear him teach? You know how people would, they would just feel something when Jesus taught? I wonder when Jesus started to, could you imagine, you have to deal with me as a preacher. Could you imagine having Jesus preach his own word to you? My goodness, this would be phenomenal. Imagine that. But then Jesus, you know, so within the hour, they're on their way back. Verse 33, they found the 11 disciples. I mean, they, they want to tell somebody, that's a pretty cool experience. Oh, I missed it. But once he started explaining the scriptures, my soul burned within me. Revelation came about whose presence they actually were in. So now, guess what? When you have a spiritual experience that is clarified by the word, you need to go find someone and tell them about it. And so they go, we got to go tell the disciples. And Jesus shows up to all of them again. Look at verse 44. He said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then, what did he do? He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. We don't really, we, we miss this. Maybe you don't, but I've missed this a lot. I know, I've heard the story of the two men on the road to Emmaus. I've heard it preached. I've, heard, I've read it. But something as I was preparing for this, I'm going, my Lord, this whole passage is all about the, a, a Bible study. It's all about knowing the scripture, reading the scripture, understanding the scripture, hiding the scripture in your heart, having revelation that comes only through the scripture. I just find that so intriguing. They didn't understand who Jesus was, even though they were in his presence. It didn't come until they got into the word. And then Jesus shows up to the, to the disciples. He's getting ready now. He, this, is between, this is between ascension and resurrection. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. He's getting ready to give them the keys to this thing. And he does not say, hey, let's eat another meal. I mean, they do that too. That's, that's, that's godly also. But he says, here's one of the last times we're going to be together. And, and it's all so important. But I find it so interesting. He didn't say, let's get together and let's, let's have a prayer meeting. Prayer is crucial. We see them praying as the Spirit is poured out upon all flesh. But he says, before I leave, you know what we need to do? Got to get back to the Scripture. Because I, I'm going to entrust you with this gospel, 2 Thessalonians 4 says. And so in order to entrust you with this, you've got to understand what this is that you have. So let's go all the way back to the prophets and to the scriptures and to the right. You think I preach long sometimes. Imagine going through the, the prophet and the law and the writings of Moses and the Psalms like, woo! 
Paul preached so long that people were falling asleep in windows and falling out of buildings. Okay? I mean, like, I've preached a few long messages, but nobody's fallen asleep out of a window. I know many people have fallen asleep. But nobody's fallen asleep and fell out of a window. I mean, maybe that'd be good. We could do miracles and, you know, I mean, like, that's what happens in the, in the New Testament. But you look at this. He says, I want to open your mind to Scripture. Yeah, but look at what's going on today. I, we need to stop and get back to Scripture. Yeah, but I'm stressed out. I don't know where, is Jesus really the answer? Is there, what are we supposed to do now? What happened? Where are we supposed to go from here? Our life is just, I'm freaking out here. Stop. Let's go back to the Scripture. But you've entrusted so much to us. I know. Let's go back to the scripture. What turned depression into joy? I mean, just a few moments, these guys were like, man, they killed him. I thought he was the one. I thought he was going to save us. And they put him on a cross. Now we're slaves to Rome still. We got no hope. There's no future. I was hoping I followed him. I gave financially. I did all this. My God, Lord. I just I just thought he was going to be the one. And then they're just pity partying and crying and whining. And, and, and the disciples, they're hanging out. They're they're hiding out behind closed doors, locked doors. They hear a knock. Somebody go get it. Who is it? I mean, they're just, they're all, they all lost their minds. But what turned depression and fear into joy? It was the word of God. What gave them hope again? It was the word of God. What changed their entire outlook and made them want to tell everyone about it? It was the Word of God. So if we're lacking these things, well, I just haven't had much joy. It's been more fear. I've had a lot of anxiety, and and I haven't really been telling anybody about what's going on in my life. That tells me we are not in the Word enough. Because if we read the Word and we say, this story came to life. Look what he did there. Look what he did there. Look what he did there. And then we get to a point where he says, and greater things will you do. I'm going, wow, if they can do this, he told me he wants to do greater things than me. I want to be a part of that. And so when I get stressed, I watch, I read about a story of, of someone getting, getting a second chance after they, did, after they ran away and got swallowed by a whale. I look at Peter, who, who just drops the ball time and time again, and Jesus comes find him and says, feed my sheep. And I say, wow, I can get back up again. I read about David, who was a, a teenager. Well, I don't have to be that old in Christ. I mean, look, at he starts taking down giants as a teenager. Look what he can do. And, and Abraham, he's lying to, to, the, to the Egyptian pharaoh, but, but then all of a sudden, you know what? Man, he, he comes around. And, and look at Moses, a guy that's ignorant and unlearned. And, and I'm not a great speaker, but God chooses him and starts doing plagues. And, and if he can use these people... He can use me. And so I'm, I'm motivated by that. I'm encouraged by that. And then I, I'm convicted because you know what? When I read scripture, there are things that the Bible says it, it, scripture is for rebuke and correction, instruction and righteousness. So I can get instruction from scripture. I can get rebuke from scripture. And you know what? Then there don't have to be a lot of preaching that preaches rebuke if we're getting rebuke ourselves from the word. I don't have to get up and say, I need to preach against this and preach against that and preach for this and preach for that. Because if we're in the word, then then our lives will will see, oh, wow, I want to be better. I got to change that. God's dealing with me on this. Because there's a lot of people that can sit in the presence of Jesus and actually never get revelation or change. Because true change only comes from revelation, and revelation only comes from when you go to the word. Those men on the road to Emmaus, they felt something when Jesus began to discuss the word with them. They were experiencing one of the most amazing moments in human history. I mean, what's better than that? We've, we've done a lot of things, but yeah, I don't know, after Jesus resurrected, I was walking on a road, and he started actually explaining the law and the prophets and the Pentateuch to me. It was powerful. That's incredible. I mean, what's better? Walking with your resurrected Savior and then, and then having dinner with him after that. The one thing that might rival that 
It's found in Acts 2. The day of Pentecost was fully come. And they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. Put yourself here. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. If you're watching online and you've never heard of speaking in tongues, or you're here tonight, that makes you uncomfortable. It probably means because you have not yet seen it in the Word. Now, I understand nobody's judging, nobody's, nobody's talking down to you, but when someone says speaking in tongues filled with the Spirit, you're like, whoa, <laughs> all right. But that is often because I have not seen it in the Word. When Peter gets up and people are going, are these people drunk? What's going on here? These aren't drunk as you suppose. It's just the third hour of the day. It's 9 a.m. in the morning. You don't need to worry about that. He says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Peter knew, now he knew the word. No doubt he didn't know the word when Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men, because they were still carrying around swords thinking he was going to take over the world and be their king. But something happens where once Jesus dies on a cross, rises from the dead, comes to them, he spends some time explaining the law and the prophets. And Joel was one of those prophets. And so when Joel says, hey, Guess what? In those days, God's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And, the, and he starts talking about seeing visions and the young men and the, and the older men and the women. And, and, the, and, and he's, he's talking about people that aren't even necessarily respected in that society. But he says, in that day, even Gentiles, he's referencing, are going to receive the spirit. And so Peter says, this is that. What you are witnessing and experiencing in this upper room, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Meaning this isn't some new age experience for them. This is something that you will find in the word. And so... They're speaking in tongues, and John's gospel says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But in later in that same gospel of John, Jesus' words, as he prepares his followers for what's coming next, he has not yet been crucified, but he's walking with them, he's preparing them. In John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter, that, you may, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, meaning now, right now, you know him, for he dwelleth with you. Who is he talking about there? He's talking about himself. You know him. I, he's referencing himself. You know him, the comforter. You know him. He, he's with you right now. But he's going to be in you. Huh. It's not like these disciples knew all this stuff from day one. They're like, imagine, you know, he's preaching in parables and saying, imagine yourself being a follower trying to follow him. Like, all right, so hang on. So, so it's you. You're with me. You're going to be in me. Okay, hang on. Okay, so I think I got it. Now what? I'm not going to leave you comfortless because they had given up everything. They're following Jesus all over the place. And, and now he's like, oh, yeah, I need to, need to go away. And this is going to happen. They're like, whoa, whoa I, uh, I had a good job. I gave it up. What are we talking about? Are you going away? Hold it. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come to you. Yet a little while in the world, though, the world's not going to see me anymore. But you're going to see me because I live, you're going to live also. At that day, meaning not today, but at that day when it happens, you will know I'm in my Father, and you're in me, and I in you. Not today. Today I'm with you. But when that happens, at that day coming, you're going to see that I will be in you. John starts his gospel, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But then he takes us on a journey. He takes us on a journey and shows us how the word became flesh. 
And then he shows us how the word came to life and became a comforter, and then it became something that would be in us. Because Jesus, he says, I'm, I'm with you now, but in that day, I'm going to be in you. And that is exactly what happens in the book of Acts. That day, that was the day. Peter stands up and says, says this is that which was spoken by Joel. This is that comforter. This is the spirit of God. Oh, that's demonic. Really? The scripture says it, it's a sound came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And so this is that. And, and we, being the, the people that we are, we need evidence. You can't just sign on the dotted line. Now you're filled with the spirit. Like, what? Uh, no, no, no. He's going to give you something supernatural that shows his spirit now dwells in you because he's always been a, a God of signs. And so this is what happens in the book of Acts. Jesus ascended into heaven. He was no longer with them bodily. And he told them, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the coming. He didn't have to go in depth there because they had been covering that with all the scriptures because Jeremiah talked about it. Isaiah talked about it. Joel talked about it. It was, it was throughout the whole Old Testament. So when scripture simply says he broke the scriptures down for, him, for them, he doesn't, he doesn't have to go deeper. He, they, that's something that had already been covered. So when he says, just wait here, the promise is coming. I don't got to go further into that because he referenced that in all of the prophecies in the Old Testament. And so the word was made flesh, dwelt among them, but now I'm going to fill you with my spirit. So two amazing experiences. Follow me. One on the road to Emmaus as the word changed their lives. And one in the upper room as the spirit changed their lives. If you want God to change your life, you've got to have the word and then the spirit. But the Spirit is not going to come before the Word because revelation first has to come about who Jesus is. The Word became flesh, the flesh and the flesh dwelt with us, but one day it will be in us. That, the, the Spirit, the upper room in the book of Acts, it never happens without the road to Emmaus and the Word being explained to the disciples. Isn't it interesting that John was the one who also records in John 4, 24, God's looking for people who, to worship him in spirit and in truth. Where does absolute truth come from? Only one place, and that is the word of God. That is the only place that we will find absolute truth. I know today we don't really embrace as a society as a whole. There's no such thing as absolute truth. It's all relative. It's postmodern. It's, it's truth is relative to my situation and my circumstance. It, yeah, 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 whatever. There is one source of absolute truth and it will never change and that is the word of God. And so when you feel fear and confusion, like the disciples were feeling, like the road to Emmaus, the two guys there, Jesus simply directed them back to the scriptures. Scripture will provide you with clarity, with peace, with direction. When you're feeling uneasy, when we feel uneasy as a society, I can't say we, not me, not you, not the church. I'm just talking about society. When we feel uneasy, typically... We'll go to the phone. We'll call a good friend. We'll, we'll watch a movie to take our mind off. Or we'll go to social media. We'll post about it. We'll share our feelings and click post or share someone else's feelings and then share it on our page. So then we kind of are letting our feelings out there, but they don't have to be labeled according to our feelings. But then we go to bed and we're still anxious and frustrated and fearful and wondering what's going to go on. We're still on the road to Emmaus. Still on the road to Emmaus. But when I stop it all and I go to the word, and I start to read scripture, and I start to see what God says, what he promised, how he said, I'm not going to let the, the fire burn you and the water overtake you. And he, and he says, I have plans for you. And, and I start to read these things. And all of a sudden, I can find peace. I can find direction. I can say, God, you got this, Lord. I, I can combine that understanding as I go into prayer. And then my prayer time is not just begging. 
Oh, God, I just please help me. Lord, God, I just help me, Jesus. I I don't want to know what's going on. And there's nothing wrong with that because there's times where we do need to cry out to God. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying that when our prayer time is always just begging, it's probably because we haven't been in the Word enough. Because when I go to the Word and I get the revelation that I'm in the presence of Jesus, And that he wants to put his spirit in me. And he says he's never going to leave me. He's not going to leave me comfortless. He's not going to give me more than I can handle. He'll be with me always, even to the end of the world. I start to read things and go, wait, why am I frustrated? Why am I scared? Why am I fearful? Why am I anxious? The church has to get this revelation. Because right now in, in modern church, and I would even say even at Refuge Church, watching online, that's this is us. We say, well, man, I'm in the presence of Jesus. I tithe. I, I serve in ministry. I come to church. But when we're lacking in the word, we're lacking revelation. We're lacking peace. We're lacking. I would argue that we can't have the fruit of the Spirit without the Word. I'm not going to have love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control when I'm not in the Word. If we walk with that understanding of the Word in our hearts, I, I would argue it revolutionizes what my wife talked about last week. I think having a true understanding of the revelation of the Word changes our prayer life we pray differently instead of god i just i'm frustrated lord i come into prayer and i say lord i just read your word and god based on what you just said greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world i take dominion and authority over the thoughts in my head right now god i've just been feeling frustrated i feel like lord jesus i feel angry and i'm mad at this person i feel bitterness in my heart i take dominion over it right now because your word says that we are supposed to forgive those 70 times 7 that if if we, want to, if we want our Father to forgive us, we need to forgive others. Lord, I hid the word in my heart. And God, I know today I need your forgiveness more than anything else. So God, help me right now to forgive that person in my heart. See, I start to pray different when the word is in me. I just, I'm ready for change, 2020 to be over. I just want a fresh start. What, what's bringing, what is bringing the fresh start? Come on, someone watching online, I'm asking, what is bringing the fresh start? What are we waiting on? Is it a new president, a different president, the same president? Is it, is it some, Congress to change, the House to change, the Senate to change? Is it, is it a new governor, a new mayor, a new job, a raise, a new position? Is it a new church, different buildings, chairs instead of pews? Is it, is it growth? Is it, what, are, what exactly are we waiting for to change? Because the only thing that is going to bring change is when the man or the woman of God says, I am sick and tired of just coasting. I want to begin to pray like I've never prayed before. I don't want to dabble in Christianity anymore. I don't want to just be on a continual walk on the road to Emmaus of of depression and discouragement where hopefully if I just get in the presence of Jesus, something will change. I want to be in the presence of Jesus where I get the word and I hide the word in my own heart and all of a sudden something shifts in my in my mindset and my eyes and my in my outlook and I say God I know something because of the word the word has brought clarity and peace and direction well I know that's why I come to church listen we already talked about that a few weeks ago if the only meal that you're getting is served from a pulpit that's not going to sustain you I pray to God that somebody hears me because I say this with love but we got to learn to say I got to get myself in the word if, I, if you need to go to a bread chart at, the, at minimum say I'm going to read one chapter of the Bible a day do you know if you read a bread chart that in just like a little bit of time I, I, I just had the I just had the statistics and I forgot them but just a short amount of time each day and you'll read the whole Bible through in one year, I guarantee you, you will start to see a change in your outlook if every single day you are hiding the word in your heart. 
Even though God wants us to experience burial, which we now do through water baptism, that's a whole nother message. He wants us to experience his resurrection, which is when we are filled with his spirit, just as, the, as they were on the day of Pentecost. But in the middle of our experiences, we sometimes run into uncertainty and fear and confusion. And look at what the Bible tells us, why the disciples were so confused and so scared after Jesus' resurrection. Anybody ever heard that? People say, and they were running, they were scared, they were fearful. You ever wonder why? Why? Well, we could all guess, you know, well, I mean, they had just given up everything. That Jesus was their friend. They, they were scared. They thought now he was dead and he was gone and they were alone. And, and, and it makes sense. But, but scripture actually tells us why. I don't know. I've just not really noticed this. You know what's really cool? Brother Nier preaches out all the time. This probably happens to him, hopefully. Otherwise, I'm way out on a limb. I'm looking pretty stupid here. But you know what's awesome is when you prepare a message, God tells you to say, you get it all ready, and while you're preaching it, revelation hits you. It's, it's incredible. I, I know that, like, sometimes I, th- I think maybe people think, like, the preacher, the pastor, the evangelist, like, God literally typed their message, and they just grab it and read it. I, said, I wish. That'd be awesome. But there's human element in there. There's, there's, there's delivery and personality. But it's incredible because there's times I'll come home and talk about how awesome the message was to my wife. And it feels weird because you're like, wow, that's self-serving. Like, whoa, big head. But it's not that. It's while you were delivering the word, something literally came to life. And you're like, if you've taught Bible studies here, some of you, you know that this happens. Brother Kevin, you've taught so many Bible studies that while you're teaching, all of a sudden something comes to life in Scripture. And you're like, did you just see that? And they're like. You're a little excited about your message. You're like, no, 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 no. I've never seen this before. Let's look at what scripture says here. And you know what? That never, God's word is so powerful. It's better than any, uh, any uh, you know, novel or writer or anything like that. C.S. Lewis, good writer, but it's better than that. You can reread it and you can study it and teach it and preach it. And there's always something fresh and new. Here's why they were so scared. And I got to wrap up here. John chapter 20, verse 3. Peter and the other disciple, which was John, he just didn't want to write about himself, I guess, started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. If I was a writer, I'd have snuck that detail in there too. I think that's awesome. Like, yeah, Peter and the other guy were running. Just FYI, I beat, I beat Peter. I won. I'm just, just, just telling you. And so he stooped and looked into and saw the linen wrappings, and they were laying, but he didn't go in. And Simon Peter arrived. He went out. He went inside. He's always going the extra mile. He noticed the linen wrappings lying there, and while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, I've heard that preached a lot of different ways, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, and, and he saw and believed, Verse 9. Verse 9. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures. That Jesus must rise from the dead. Leave that up. Why are they, why are they so scared? Why are they running? I don't get it. They're hiding out. It all came back to one thing. They just didn't understand the scripture yet. I mean, was all their problems literally wrapped up in the fact they just didn't have a grasp on Scripture? I would argue that almost all of our problems in the 21st century still come back to the fact, well, yeah, but you don't understand what I'm going through, and this is what happened, this is what happened. Yes, but when I have a grasp on the Scripture, there's never a bad day that's so bad that I lose hope. Because... If I understand the scripture, instead of standing around in bewilderment, instead of living in doubt and fear, instead of wondering what tomorrow holds and what yesterday caused, we as a church, I'm ready for change. Great. Probably the best place that you are going to change your life in 2021. I pray to 
God that someone hears me online right now. The best place that you're going to change your life in 2021 is to embrace the scripture, is to get back to the word. If you've never been in the word, just start with one chapter a day. Just saying, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to carve out time and I'm going to read one chapter a day where I begin to get into the word and the word will bring peace and clarity and direction and strength. And we need experiences that are, are transformative, not just a change of feelings. The word feel is found in the Bible seven times. The word know, knowest, things like that, that's found in the Bible almost 1,300 times. I don't preach for people's feelings. I preach for transformation. Job doesn't say, I feel like my Redeemer lives. Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. When you're not in the Word, then every day is based on feelings. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like serving in ministry. I don't feel like doing this. But when I am in, and when I'm embracing the Word in Scripture, all of a sudden, I know my Redeemer lives lives. I know who I am in him. I know that I'm called. I know that I have power. But how are we going to know that? It's when Jesus reveals himself to us through his word. He's always, even when he was in fleshly form or he's in his glorified body after his resurrection, he's always emphasizing his word. He did it for the two followers on the road to Emmaus. Revelation came when they heard the word. Like he did it for the disciples. Going back to the word provides clear direction about not only your current situation, but what is on the horizon, what's coming ahead. Imagine what the rest of the disciples story looks like if they don't get back to the scripture and make the connection that Jesus was the Savior and they needed to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the outpouring of spirit. What does history look like if the disciples don't get that word? Jesus shows back up and opens their minds, shows them scripture, and then look at the next thing that we read about after that. He shows up, he teaches them scripture, shows them scripture. They need to understand scripture and look at Luke 24, 51. While he was blessing them, he left them. He was taken up into heaven. Wow, the last thing he does in his earthly ministry is break the bread of life, is get in the word, is talk about scripture, and then boom, he's gone. He ascends into heaven. And what does it say? They worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. What in the world just happened? These guys are hiding out and living in fear and depression, discouragement, lost their hope, wondering what tomorrow holds. Jesus shows up, says, hold it. Let's get back to the scripture. Let's get back to the word. Let's go back to the prophets. And he begins to teach them the word in the very next thing that we see happening is worship going on and they go back to the temple and they have a church service they're praying they're worshiping they're heading back to church folks if you've slipped away from church if you lost your excitement if you're living in fear and anxiety and frustration and discouragement if you're living in sin it's time to get back to the word because when you return to the word that's where all of a sudden new life comes and excitement boils up inside of us it doesn't matter how many people are not here who's on COVID who's not when we say the new year's coming I'm ready for change and change is going to start with me I'm going to get my face in the word because when I'm in the word it makes me want to be a worshiper when I'm in the word it makes me want to be in church when I'm in the word I want to be praying oh I pray this is impacting somebody online too. If you're struggling today and I'm done. If you're struggling today, it's most likely because you let your situation take you away from the word. If you're struggling, if you're online and you're saying, I'm having a hard time, now we all go through difficult times. That's not saying that if you're in the Word, you don't, you walk on water and there's never issues. No, 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 no. But if you're saying, I can't get out of it, I'm stuck here, I am telling you, somewhere along the line, the situation was elevated beyond the Word. It's time to get back to the Word, to stay in the Word. We cannot make it if we're not in the Word. You can be in the presence of Jesus and not in the word. 
and you will miss revelation. Jesus was trying to not only make the connection for them to, to the word for their current situation, but he was also trying to prepare them for where they were going in their future. And I'll tell you, you and me, we will need the word for our future. To be all God wants you to be, we're going to need the word. And as I close tonight, and I'm already longer than I wanted to, I'm sorry, but God's burned this on my heart. I want to read a prophetic word that's been circulating social media, and many of you maybe saw it. Brother Raymond Woodward posted this, and he said, this is a prophetic word from a great woman of God named Sister Claudette Walker. She gave it as a word to the church, to the global church, in, on November 29th. And hear me as I close with this. You can, when I'm done with this, you can just respond. Come to the altar, stay where you are, whatever you're going to do. Online, when I'm done reading this, begin to make wherever you are a place of an altar of consecration and prayer. Don't just please, if you're watching this, don't just turn it off and go do something else. At least give, give God a response for a moment. And here's what she says to the church. That's us. There's a word from God that he laid on her heart. My precious children, I would say unto you today that I understand that you do not understand. I feel your confusion. I feel your heaviness. You've cried out to me, but the, uh, out to me, but many of the things that you have asked of me, I've denied. I understand this is difficult for you. My call unto you today, my children, is to trust me. I'm asking you to trust me. I have you in a spiritual gym. I'm adding weights to the barbell each day. This is not because I'm an uncaring father, but because I'm a loving father. I know how strong your spiritual muscles must be to endure the last days. So I add more weights to the barbell, and your faith muscles must exert to become stronger and to fight and stand in this last day where the spirit of the Antichrist is exponentially increasing every day. The war is raging, my children, and I'm preparing you to become victors. Do not despise the process that I'm putting you through. I'm causing you to lift heavy weights every time you lift the weight and declare my word. In spite of how you feel, your faith in me grows. Faith cometh by hearing and by hearing by the word of the Lord. So I urge you to bathe yourself every day in my word. Cling to my word. Speak my word in spite of what you see. Your faith will grow. You will not only make it through these last days, but you will be strong and will do exploits. I must not pamper you. I must not coddle you, but I must train you. My coming is nigh, even at the door. Yet before I come, there will be a great outpouring of the Spirit. I am preparing you to bear the weight of my glory. Stand against the evil spirits that come against you, my children. Although I allow heaviness upon the inhabitants of this earth, I am raising you up. I am training you. Now I ask you, when I come, Will I what faith will I find on this earth? The enemy's trying to sever your faith, for that is your lifeline to me. Whatever you must do, do not allow that to happen. Cling to my word. Cling to me like never before. I'm requiring blind faith from you when you walk in darkness. Still trust in the light of my promises. Be patient, my children. I love you with an everlasting love. I love you so much that I'm training you right now to trust the process of my plan. Over and over, cling to the word. I'm ready for change. It starts with you and me. I need the word. I need to make a commitment. My wife talked about commitments. I need a commitment. We need commitments that say, what's it going to be? Well, if I get some time, I'm going to, it's not a commitment. The word. The word is going to be what sustains you, what's bring life. It brings peace. It brings hope. It brings strength. It brings healing. It brings direction. It develops your ministry. It develops your thoughts. It allows you to stand. We need the word. If you're going to do that, I pray right now that we begin to respond, that we find a place to pray, that we'd make these commitments to the Lord about the Word, about what we're going to do, how we're going to get in the Word. It can't just be an emotional promise, but it's a commitment, something that says, God, 
I need, I, I need to stay in the word. I need to be in your word. Lord, I need to get in your word more than ever. I can't, I can't be so busy that I can't make time for the word. God, your word is going to bring life and strength and hope and healing. Jesus, Lord God, bring a revelation, Lord God. I'm in your presence now, but I still need your word. And I want to worship you in spirit and in truth, God. Oh, if you're watching online, I pray just right now, begin to find a place to respond to him. That there be commitments in your house right now. Oh, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Shield for the 